Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Rich, what were your thoughts about the new management? Knowing fairly well, because I actually used to work for John Brochi, and I've known the family for more than 40 years. I know all the people involved. And I knew Mike Burkus. I don't know his son as well. I want to first congratulate that group. They got us through a very tough time in the hobby when we were valleying and the economy was tough. And then they've done a really good job of pushing the national forward. The Breakers Pavilion began with them. And breaking is not something that most people going to the national are going to go to a breaker's table to see what they get from a breaker pull. That brings you the national, but you're not there. It's a really cool way of getting a feel of the national without being there. But the fact that WhatNot did all that extra stuff to help people who might not be there for buying cards or visiting a corporate booth or just might get bored. If you're a 10-year-old boy or a 10-year-old girl, you probably can get bored pretty easily. There's a carnival atmosphere. That's a big plus. The parents can put you there and know you're safe. And that's something to be said for doing an event like that. And I know, and Jim knew Mike Burkus a lot better than I did, but I'll guarantee you that was one of Mike Burkus's types of ideas. Let's do something to make the national more than just a place you buy and sell baseball cards or sports cards or non-sports cards. And if that helps push it forward, I'm a big fan. So I want to congratulate the great 20-year run and the new promoters, it's Joe Drellick, and then the two people, Jimmy Ryan, run the white, what used to be the White Plains, not sports, in East Coast National. It's at a different location. They run other shows in that area. They're familiar with running big shows. I agree with Rich, obviously. I think the Brogy family and the Burkus family have had a nice run. But I think Mike Burkus in particular would be pleased. Since he's been gone, again, no one's indispensable, but he was extremely valuable. But there's been increased energy increased promotion, and increased corporate, all things that Mike Burkus really brought to the event. And so that's continuing. He'd be pleased. Super spreader event for COVID. Rich, aren't you glad that you didn't go now? This was a medical decision because of my wife who came down with the COVID. And I asked the doctor when I was waiting with her in the ER, and the doctor said, you're not going. So it was a medical decision. And I texted Jim almost immediately. He was actually the first person I said, by the way, I'm not going. And Jim tried to talk me into it and said, if it was Chicago, I'd give it a shot because I could probably fudge getting up late Thursday or Friday and then stay Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come back Monday. But this was like, no, I'm glad I didn't go because I probably got more people sick. Would have gotten a second opinion there, Rich. After he got back on Twitter, this is just a random thing. He knew 45 people who got sick at the show. And I know many of the people who stayed at the Hobby Hotline house got sick at the show. I told John Newman, I just don't want to risk it for other people. And John and his wife both got it. And I hope they're getting better. John thinks he'll be back at work. I know Dina is teaching. My mother-in-law got it because she's older and has some other issues. It's affecting her a little longer. I'm just blessed. I'm double vaxxed and double boosted. If I had it, it was very minor. But thank goodness I didn't hear anybody die yet. I know last year we probably had a couple people who passed as a result of that. This year we didn't. So I'm just hoping that does not happen. Yeah, Victor, how did you escape the spreader event? I actually had it like two weeks prior to going to the National. I had a fever for a day or two, and then it broke, and then I was fine, and I tested negative all the way up until the National. Yeah, Logan's son was in the actual house with us. So a couple of guys at the house got it, but Logan didn't, which is very interesting. And Logan and his son were spending 
time. Jim, how did you avoid it? Well, there's a force field around the dollar boxes. It's a bubble. <laughs> I can just see that actually in play where somebody's trying to take Jim's cards and he's just fighting them off. A lot of cards are contaminated on those surfaces, but the, exactly. the people exactly. are keeping their heads down. Yeah. My wife, very perceptive, she says, you're very cavalierly mentioning on the air for the public to know this personal private health information for all these other people who, according to HIPAA or whatever, may not want everybody to know their health condition. But I really think 2022 is very different from the last couple of years that it's, I won't say benign, but it's not as virulent. It's not as scary. So we're really hoping that everybody gets a mild case. But again, they're passing a super spreader event for sure, but hopefully just on the order of the regular flu, which is still unpleasant. As I said, I think I'm not like Victor. If I had it for a day, I actually never tested because I had one bad night. I started actually taking day pool the next day and had some cough drops. And by that night, I was fine. And I never even stopped working. So I consider myself blessed that I got through this with minimal. The only thing I did is instead of doing three miles at the mall, I did two miles at the mall. Just because I wasn't quite all the way there. I wanted to keep walking, but I didn't want to go upstairs too. I just did the downstairs lap. But that was about the only difference I made. Logan had an interesting comment here. Is there an international sticker day? I wanted to throw that out there just because it's an interesting question. We've had that sticker conversation before, Dr. Beckett. Every day is international <laughs> sticker day all over the world. There's infinitely more stickers out there than we even can imagine. It's yeah. And they're stuck. <laughs> they're not collected. They're stuck. Yes. Rex brought up an interesting point. He talked about distributors earlier. And while it's not confirmed, several major content creators posted and talked about how GTS, which I actually used to write for, so I have to, I want to be very careful in saying this is not confirmed by them. This is just, mm -hmm. and Magazine Exchange, and we don't know if there are others, that they have been told that as of January 1st, they will no longer be distributors of Topps cards. And it's an interesting change, frankly, one that some of us thought would happen, but it's an interesting change. Well, it's possible that GTS was the most successful distributor. And so, I, again, I don't think there's any hard feelings. It could be some hard feelings, but it's basically a philosophical or a business decision, as Victor says. It's just good business to get closer to your customers. And if GTS was the most profitable distributor, that's a lot of margin points that Fanatics is now bringing in-house. My question is, why are they singling out Magazine Exchange and GTS, only those two out of the several? And it, there's been some question about whether their business practices were a little bit different than the others in terms of not fully distributing all their product immediately on release, holding back and observing the secondary market. But even that has a value to Fanatics. Who's to say that Fanatics wouldn't do the same thing, that they would produce the cards and then whether they have a Dutch auction or however way they distribute it to the card shops and to their customers, are they really going to distribute down to the last case, down to the last box, so there's no reorders? That might be their new philosophical thing, that the secondary market, everything I've read about Michael Rubin is he wants to participate fully and all the way up and down the chain in terms of these transactions that involve their cards. Rich will point out that Lids is now going to be carrying boxes of cards. So Fanatics is not going to have any trouble getting boxes and cases of cards into the hands of customers. Magazine Exchange, all of them are taking orders. They have more orders than they can fill. 
So this is an ideal situation to just disintermediate the, the category. So if you're any kind of a distributor that's not really somehow helping fanatics get to customers they couldn't otherwise get to, which I have a hard time figuring out what that would be, the business is being disrupted as we speak. So all distributors, corporate as well as hobby, this is a big change in the industry. Just like with the lids thing, Fanatics is already in the warehousing business. It's like Amazon. They have their own stuff. They have other people's stuff. And they're masterful in being able to get stuff to the people that want it. So I don't think they have to buy a distributor. They already are a distributor. And they already have that expertise probably to at least as high a level in front of order, picking and pulling, and all that stuff. Customer relationship management software. I think they have all that stuff. So if they're going to buy a distributor, it needs to be somebody that has a capability that they don't already have. Kudos to Rex. I think they've got a great shop. They've got a good thing going. I believe that they are Fanatics' ideal customer. You've got a guy and his son, entrepreneurial, growing, good mind for business, and understand how to merchandise product. This is the kind of card shop that Fanatics will like. So yes. they want to have the relationship directly with Rex and Max and Owen. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the distributor gets in the way of that customer intimacy. More and more companies are creating podcasts and media and blogs and really trying to expand their outreach into the hobby. As someone who's been a hobby content creator, what are your thoughts around more content creating and issuing information out than we're used to or we're expected? More content is being produced the more bad content is being produced exponentially. And so what is required is more discernment. There's going to be more and more content. There's way more content than there was a year ago than two years ago. You've got to figure out who are the trustworthy content creators. And I'm looking at a bunch of them, but that's up to the hobbyist to figure out who do I want to follow. And you can't follow everybody. I tried to listen to all the podcasts three years ago. And now it's exponentially increasing, but the good ones are not exponentially. Rich, you had mentioned this 80K card theft that we had at the at the National. What, can you go a little bit more into sure. Rick your Gins, thoughts? Rick known as Gizmo Sports Cards, apparently gave a guy, and if you've been in the coin business or coin dealers, this is actually fairly common in the coin world where you'll give somebody coins and you tell them how much it is, they'll do the deal and they'll just bring you back the money. My guess for all I know, since they had each other's phone numbers, they knew each other, it was probably something similar to that. He gives the guy the cards. Oh, let me show it to my son, who's probably involved in the business. But instead of just finishing the deal, the man allegedly, because until it's done in a court of law, I don't want to say definitely, walks off with the cards. And the cards are worth a lot of money. And it's supposedly $80,000 worth of cards. A lot of really good cards. It would wipe any of us off the map, so to speak. I feel really sorry for Rick because I know this is a major blow to his business. You just got to be careful. We're talking about larger amounts of money and Rich, that's still a lot of money even for coin collectors, gold coins. It's really bad. I just think you got to be careful with your trust. Trust has to be earned and maybe even short-term earning trust is not enough. Long-term earning trust. So I feel bad for me. If that's how it went down, Rich, that's a cautionary tale for all of us. Yes. Part of me also said Rick should have known better. He's been a member of the National Dealer Board. You should know better because for many years, the National Dealer Board were in the middle of the floor. So if something came up, they could all immediately go in one direction or another. Somebody could go and take care of a problem. Yeah. And Rick, 
should have known. He asked me, I said, Rick, you're welcome to post on my Twitter page, my Facebook page, my LinkedIn page, any details you want, because I want you to get the cards back. So it's you have my full support in getting your cards back. But there's a part of me that says whether you lose $8 worth of cards or $80,000 worth of cards, it hurts. The partial answer is cameras. And then beyond that is prosecution and uh, invisible punishment and not hand slapping, but serious penalties. Not you get the stuff back and somebody ought to go to jail. This is grand theft, but camera up everybody. Yep. The man-